Al Jazeera podcast. Niger's coup leaders and France are in a standoff. The military wants to cut ties with the former colonial power. President Macron refuses to recognize their takeover. So how might this end? I'm Fully Batibo, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guest now for today's show. Joining us from Paris is Nicolas Normand. He's a former French ambassador to Mali, Senegal and the Republic of the Congo. From Abuja is Kabir Adamu. He's managing director at Beacon Consultancy, a security risk management consultancy. And joining us from Cape Town is Leonard Mbulenzige. He's a researcher at the Institute for Democracy, Citizenship and Public Policy in Africa at the University of Cape Town. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us on Inside Story. Ambassador Nicolas Normand in Paris, let me start with you if I can. The people of Niger, not just the junta, wants to cut ties with France. Why is France digging in its heels? Why refuse to comply with the expulsion order for Sylvain Ité? Well, the answer is simple. Uh... France does not recognize the, the coup leaders as a legal president. You know that despite being detained and despite being under pressure, President Bazoum, the former president, the legal president, the elected president, has not resigned. So we, we, France recognizes him as a sole president and does not want to comply with an expulsion order or any order mm. coming from the coup leaders from the yeah, well, we had somewhat of a similar situation, Ambassador, in Mali, where there was also a coup there. The French ambassador was recalled by Paris then. What's different between that situation and this one, where some say France is putting its envoy at risk? It's very different because in Mali, the president did resign. He did sign a letter of resignation. That's not the case at all in Niger. So the situation in Niger is very peculiar, very strange, mm. uh, because there are two presidents, actually, one legal and one de facto president. And we recognize only the legal one. Uh, we must also uh, stress that the President Bazoum the one who is detained, still uh, gets in touch, gets in contact with world leaders, including right. French president. Yeah, we must we... also stress that he was a strong ally of France. Right. We, we, we did indeed hear from President Macron, who said he spoke to uh, President Bazoum on the phone almost every day. But I what I wanted to get from you, uh, uh, Ambassador Normand, is uh, find out why, why France is today willing to put the safety and security of its uh, soldiers who are in Niger at risk and also of its ambassador at risk by digging in on this issue? Well, the French um, have taken a very uh, firm position, a very firm stance. In my own opinion, it's a lost cause because uh, President Bazoum will not uh, be, uh, be not get power again. He will uh, not be handed power back, you know. So we are on a very inflexible, very... President Macron is very adamant about that. But uh, finally, we will have to pull out from Niger. The, the ambassador will finally be uh, expelled because there will be uh, finally a solution 
to to the to the stalemate, uh, which is the current situation mm. from a political point of view. Do you think President Macron's close relationship with President Bazoum is what's guiding his decisions and his actions on Niger right now? Well, you know, President Macron uh, hoped at first that President Bazoum could be restored to power under the pressure, well, because the coup leaders were under the pressure of the sanctions of the ECOWAS, the local uh, regional organization. But the, the coup leaders are also very inflexible. They are very adamant that they are going to keep uh, their power. So it is a really a stalemate. Yeah. And uh, I think finally the winner will be the coup leaders. Okay, let's uh, bring in uh, Kabir into the conversation. Kabir, as Ambassador Normand just said there, we are in a stalemate, a standoff, and each side seems to be digging in. How, first of all, do you evaluate the way France has handled this crisis in Niger? And how do you think the uh, uh, Nigerian army, the new leadership, will eventually respond? Well, um, it, it's clearly um, a stalemate and an escalation of a very um, delicate situation. Um, it appears to me that um, France is uh, looking for an excuse, as it were, to use uh, possibly some element of force um, within Niger. Um, otherwise, I cannot see how France um, is endangering uh, a very critical component of its um, foreign relations, its ambassador, and then the military deployment um, in, in Niger. Uh, part of the argument is the interpretation of the agreement um, that allows France to deploy troops. On the Nigerian side, the Junta is in, they've given Niger a month, which is speculated within the agreement. And then the, the French side is saying, no, you do not have uh, the legitimacy to issue that uh, ultimatum of, of one month. So it's a very interesting um, period in international relations. How this play, plays out may become precedence, as it were, for um, you know, the interpretation of um, the sovereignty of um, states uh, to take certain actions. And um, the, the tendency for this to es escalate into a bigger issue is extremely high. Um, okay. That, uh, the, the video that you've shown with people stationed right outside the embassy, um, anything could, could go wrong at that point in time. And I know Indeed. the ability of... Yeah, indeed, it is a very tense situation. Leonard, your thoughts about how France has handled this situation in Niger and also perhaps how the military is handling it right now, the new leadership. They seem to be uh, adamant and at the same time cautious, it would seem, as to what they do next. Yes, I think um, France has taken a zero-sum approach um, so far. However, they're trying to take this approach. Meanwhile, they don't have leverage to pursue that because... As um, the ambassador stated, they don't legally recognize the military junta in power. However, in practice, they have been controlling affairs for the past month. They've been able to establish relations with regional powers. And despite their suspension from ECOWAS and the African Union, they've still been able to maintain control over the, um, the extent of the territory, as well as to pursue various political, mm -hmm. socioeconomic, um, and other uh, society-wide engagements. Kabir so doesn't agree with you this... on that. Kabir. Yeah, um, so just to correct the, uh, the point around their ability that they've been able to establish relations with regional authorities, no. Um, ECOWAS still describes the development as an attempted coup. AU describes the development as an attempted coup. Um, the only uh, element that has remained more or less neutral is the United States. They've called it, they've, they are yet to call it a coup. Um, they sent um, envoys to Niger, 
And again, the interpretation of an envoy meeting um, an illegitimate government, um, depending on where you stand in international relations, is of course subject to the um, interpretation on whether that is recognition or, mm -hmm. or not. But it's clear that um, all the multilateral agencies have not recognized uh, the coup in, in Niger. Okay. Uh, Ambassador, well, let me come yes. back to you. All right. Uh, I, Leonard, I actually, Leonard, go ahead. Go ahead yeah, and respond, and then I'll come I back to the Ambassador. In. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't say regional authority, regional neighbors, for example. Mali and Burkina Faso have stipulated their support, and they even sent military aid in the form of jets to um, Niger in the event that there was going to be an, uh, an ECOWAS regional military force deployed to that country. Um, they haven't gotten a full endorsement, but nevertheless, Guinea's uh, military government has also condemned the sanctions. So I didn't say at a, at a regional institutional level. I've noted that African Union and ICWAS has um, suspended them. But nevertheless, they have gotten the endorsement and support from regional neighbors such as Mali and Burkina Faso, which also have military governments. Yeah, regional neighbors which are also under sanctions because of the coups in, in those countries, in Mali and Burkina Faso, it's worth pointing out. Ambassador, let me come back to you. And uh, Kabir mentioned the relationship with the U.S. there and the U.S. not recognizing this as a coup. I'll come back to that in just a moment because there have been some reports that suggest that there is some tension perhaps between Paris and Washington right now on this issue of Niger. But I wanted to ask you about um, the question of military intervention. Kabir said that perhaps the French could be looking for an excuse to intervene militarily in Niger. Would France do that, you think, if perhaps ECOWAS was to ask for some sort of intervention? Would France intervene militarily? Well, the threat of ECOWAS to have a military intervention is not credible. They have not the means to do it, and politically it is not feasible, you know. There will be a crowd uh, preventing them from going forward and so on. So there will be no military intervention by ECOWAS, and no, neither by ECOWAS nor by France. France for France, it, it's totally ruled out anyway. Uh, the problem is not that. The problem is that the French are diplomatically isolated. You mentioned the American stance. The, the Americans are the most flexible. They have not even recognized that there is a coup. They say it is an effort to, uh, to interrupt a normal process or to seize power by force. It is an effort to disrupt the Constitution. It is, at most, an attempted coup, but it's not a coup. Uh, for France, it is a coup. We are clear about that. Uh, but we are the only country within Europe to support the idea of a military intervention by ECOWAS, even if it is not credible. So uh, we have a very hostile uh, stance uh, against uh, Niger. And uh, this is a bit awkward, because uh, finally, the winner are the, are the coup leaders who can uh, denounce France as a hostile uh, power. So they take advantage of that, you know, uh, because there is a strong anti-French sentiment in uh, Niamey, the capital, uh, and so they, they capitalize on that. So mm. French uh, give them uh, um, means to, to, to be more anti-French, you know. Kabir, let me come to you. Uh, the, the ambassador talked there about a possible military intervention by ECOWAS, and they did threaten to intervene, but that seems to have somewhat uh, become more quiet now. Do you think that's likely to happen, an intervention by ECOWAS? 
Um, I agree with the ambassador that um, it's theoretically, I wouldn't use the word impossible, but difficult. Um, military interventions can have different uh, you know, um, um, in, um, explanations and um, manifestations. Um, now, given the size of Niger um, and several other uh, issues, including, for instance, the political element that the ambassador spoke about, if you use Nigeria as an example, clearly um, the president has not gotten the kind of support he would have um, wanted. But there is, a, there is a constitutional provision that would allow him to use executive powers if it comes to that. Now, other um, regional powers, such as Côte d'Ivoire and to an extent Ghana, um, have also indicated su um, support for um, such a military intervention. Now, right. there are several determinants, but I think the most important one that we should not run away from is this, the domino effect that the heads of states, of um, ECOWAS member states, seem to be running away from. When you have a situation where someone is protecting his own position, then anything can happen. So I wouldn't use impossible, but it right. is difficult. All right, Leonard Mbule Nzinge, the ambassador, uh, alluded to the fact that the military in Niger, the new leadership there, has been capitalizing on this growing anti-French sentiment there. And we've seen huge protests outside the French embassy, the French military base. Uh, it's unclear whether that is reflective, of course, of the wider population, because I, I imagine that those against the coup would not be able to speak freely uh, about, the, about it. Um, how much longer do you think the new military leadership can continue to capitalize on this? Is there a clear plan in place, you think, they have to, to move the country forward and transition to democracy? Do they have a plan in place? Um, as you said, the military has done uh, quite a good job in trying to use um, the anti-French sentiment as a mobilization strategy, as well as to derive political capital um, and support beyond Niger's borders, as they've seen in Mali and uh, Burkina Faso and beyond, um, as well as on social media, people have saluted the um, coup and the fact that they consider it a way of pushing away France from continued influence in the country and some sort of second independence for Niger as a country and the West African region in general. Um, concerning the way forward, I think that the military junta is trying to by time, the mm -hmm. you know, if they expel the ambassador, it situates that you know the international influence, which was most adamant to have them return Bazoum the power, wouldn't necessarily have and representative on the ground. And symbolically, that's very important because, as I said, the ambassador is the representative of uh, France's government, and if he's not there, it institutes it indicates that. Um, you know, there's a way forward in terms of engaging with other international partners, such as the U.S., which have been more pragmatic. And as the ambassador described, they haven't necessarily um, turned it as a coup. So right. I think that the, yeah, the buying time, but then the plan isn't necessarily as clear as one would expect at, after this amount of time in control of Niger. Kabir, do you agree with that? They're buying time. And how long do you think they can ride on this anti-French sentiment wave? It's going to be a battle between the effect of the economic sanction. Um, uh, of course, they are banking on the local support that they've been able to gather so far. But then at, at a point, um, Nigerians will have to choose between supporting them and then, of course, the effect of the sanctions on them. We're already seeing um, that playing out. Um, the second point is there, there is a rally now around um, a short um, transition period. 
Um, just earlier this week, the Nigerian president mooted at the idea of a nine-month um, transition period. Before then, um, the Algerians put forward a six-month transition period, but the, the junta had indicated a three-year period. So I think um, that's uh, what the next step would be, what mm. transition period. Uh, and then, of course, um, the various multilateral partners, um, the diplomatic uh, bilateral partners would also come in to agree around that, the, the time period for that, that transition. Ambassador Norma, what is the next step as, as far as France is concerned, Ambassador? If, as you say, reinstating Bazoum is a lost cause, then what happens next? How does France settle this crisis? Well, it will end up uh, by a uh, France withdrawal. There is no doubt about that. But uh, the problem is that uh, who is the winner in this crisis? The, the winner are the jihadists. You know, there is a, a very serious insurgency, uh, an Islamist insurgency in this country. The French were there only to assist uh, the, the Nigerian army. Uh, to combat, to fight uh, the jihadists. Mm. Uh, but so what about, what about France's withdraw, economic right? interests, Ambassador, in Niger? It's uranium no, mining. Is, France uh, needs uranium, in, it, its it, energy it, needs in Niger. What about it. that? I mean, is, isn't that a concern for France, its energy uh, independence? It's not important for France. We have many other providers. Uh, Niger is a small producer of uranium, and uh, the, the main producers for France, the main providers for France, are uh, uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Australia, and Canada. So we don't need uh, Niger and its uranium. We were there only for security interest and to fight terrorism. Uh, and. Uh, and, you know, the coup leaders are not really interested in fighting the jihadists. They mm. are interested in their personal gains. They, they took power to enrich themselves, not to uh, improve the situation in terms of security. Right. This is not their motive. It's clear. It is clear. Oh. Okay, both Kabir and Leonard seem to disagree with you. Kabir, I'll start with you. The ambassador says France wasn't there uh, for, for its interests. It's not interested in Niger's uranium uh, and that it was just there to help the fight against armed groups, groups in the region. What, what do you respond? Um, in summary, I mean, it's very important that France recognizes that its post-colonial policies in Africa is failing or has failed. Um, I mean, why, is, uh, why are we not seeing the type of reactions in other um, countries? Why is it that it's only in, in French um, former colonies that we're seeing that? So it's, it's absolutely important that France starts from that point of view. Now, speaking about security, about economic interest, the reality on ground is different. It's French companies that are mining the uranium. The agreements are skewed in the favor of, of France, not in the favor of Niger. And um, I mean, there's, there's not no part of the economy of Niger that you speak about that does not reflect that. Then with regards to security, despite the presence of French troops in Niger and the Sahel, um, Sahel has emerged as the most um, ra terrorist ravaged um, part of the world at the moment. So it's very difficult to convince a Nigerian. I mean, as an academic, I can look at the data and look at other considerations. But for the average Nigerian, it's almost impossible to convince him that the French presence there is in his interest. And that is what France needs to deal with. Okay, Leonard. Your, your response to what the ambassador said. Yeah, um, I have to fully disagree. I mean, you look at the uh, post-colonial um, cooperation accords, the cooperation agreements, and they've stipulated that, you know, France should have um, preferential access to the various precious minerals, including uranium. And, you know, French companies such as uh, 
what was formerly known as Areva, I think the Cabo Rano, have had preferential access and have derived significant um, benefits and profits as a result of unrivaled competition um, by carrying out activities in um, Niger. Um, I'd like to ask the ambassador how uh, France would feel if, for example, um, the Chinese or, say, the Russians would have access to that uranium. And that's something which, um, you know, in terms of French, not only foreign policy, but as well as overseas economic diplomacy, um, it's not an option that they would like to have entertained. So mm. saying that France is only there for security motives, I mean, the security issues in Niger and the Sahel only emerged over the past 10 to 15 years, say 20, and if you want to be um, extensive. But then France's involvement with respect to uranium extraction has, has prevailed for almost 60 years. So Let's I allow the ambassador just... to respond. Let's allow the ambassador to respond. Ambassador, a good question that uh, Leonard poses there. How would France feel if the Chinese or the Russians were to get access to the uranium in Niger? Well, you know, those agreements that were mentioned are fixed. There are no such agreements. There is no prefer preferential access for the French. This is totally wrong. It's a fake agreement. I must stress that fact. Uh, and also, if we wanted to keep those uranium mines, we would get along with the junta. We would, we would get along with any government. It's not the case at all. We neglect uh, our possible economical interest in that crisis, given that we stick to principles only. Uh, so we were there at the request of the government, the same in Mali and Burkina. If the governments do not want the French to assist them in the fighting against the jihadists, we are going to step down, to withdraw from those countries. But it is already the case in Mali and Burkina Faso. And uh, in the, following uh, the withdrawal of the French, the security situation has deteriorated a lot. There but are Ambassador, much isn't... More, uh, yeah, Ambassador, sorry to interrupt you because we're coming towards yes, the end of the show, but I just wanted to put this question to you. Isn't the reality of the situation today that France is losing its last strategic foothold in this region, in the West Africa Sahel region, where other coups have already, as you mentioned, forced it to withdraw troops elsewhere in Mali and Burkina Faso? Is this a strategic defeat, but also a psychological defeat today for France? You are right. It is a humiliation because we are we have not adjusted our position to to the changes on the ground. But you know, um, the loser is not the French because we can we are we have no uh, um, strong interest in the region uh, aside from fighting the terrorists. So the loser are the, the countries. But as I told you, their interest is not in fighting terrorists. Their interest is for the military, for the coup leaders, to seize power for themselves, for their, for their personal gains. Uh, okay. This is really a tragedy because the situation is deteriorating because of those uh, selfish interests. Kabir, in Abuja, I'll give you the last word. The ambassador says the loser is not France. What are your thoughts about this and what next in this crisis? How do you see it ending? 
the premise of the um, ambassador's assumption is that um, African countries are not capable. Uh, uh, now there is some element of truth in that, but that does not allow um, the possibility that perhaps at this point in time, African countries are waking up to the reality that they can do better. And I think um, the next stage, which we hope to see from African leaders, in a, is an investment in human capital to allow for um, management and control of the resources within Africa. It will take time, but that process has to begin. In terms of the resolution of the crisis, I've mentioned earlier on, there is um, a rallying around a shorter transition period. And I think that's what the next few days would, would tell us, depending on how this escalation of um, uh, you know, the situation between Niger and France goes. Gentlemen, thank you very much for a very insightful discussion. Thank you, Ambassador Nicolas Normand, Kabir Adamu, Leonard Mbule Nzige. Thank you for joining us on Inside Story. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Sarah Hayrat, Michael Harwood, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Yasser Romani. The program was edited by Anil Anandan, Chloe Lee, and Khaled Sultan, as well as Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every edition. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Sunday for our next episode. This week on The Take, a coup in Gabon. What does it mean for the country, the region, and its former colonizer, France? That's The Take from Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.